dedicated to talking about movies relegated to a late night purgatory i am one of your phantasmagoric hosts adam walker and joining me as always is my spectral co-host patrick mitchell how's it going (laughs) i'm speaking to you from beyond the grave right now We're, we're we have we have summoned via seance Patrick Mitchell, he died yesterday. I got my Ouija board out. <laughs> the show must go on, so we'll we will conjure each other from the grave to make sure that that we still get the episode. Put out. That would be my fucking purgatory. I die, and then it's like, uh, have fun fucking recording podcasts for eternity. So how how do you know that you're not already there? You know, it could be an M Night Shyamalan this is, scenario. This is fucking it, I guess. Yeah, you're right. This is like the fucking village. I don't even. I didn't even realize it. Well, great. That's that's wonderful. That would be an M Night Shyamalan premise. It'd be so dumb. Would be you know the the haunted podcast or like <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> But you like Stephen King. Yeah, I like Stephen King too. Me? What? Uh, what? Well, you know what, what I mean. Like Stephen King, <laughs> the joke is like, you know, he just writes stories about like haunted objects, like the haunted lamp. And <laughs> I never, I never heard this uh, this criticism that he uh, writes about haunted uh, uh, inanimate objects. Yeah, it is. Well, fuck those people. <laughs> they, read, shapes, they saw know, Christine once and they're like yeah. I guess this is all he fucking does <laughs> <laughs> that's all he's got <laughs> um, it's funny that we do bring up Mr. King because I feel like throughout the conversation we'll have tonight that he will be an individual that maybe we discuss who knows we'll see how we'll, we'll see how the night you know progresses but I have a I have a feeling I have a premonition I have a I have a ghostly premonition that Mr. King will come up in the, in the conversation at least once. I hope he does. I oddly enough don't have a no, nothing in my notes uh, ever brings him up, but I know what you're referring to. As yeah, well, as I, we discuss, uh, I guess we should <laughs> fucking let people know that tonight's episode is on haunted houses. Yeah, thank you. Actually, that that would be a good idea to actually bring up what we're talking we about. I'm just I'm just rambling on about you know things that could be within that context. But well, we got it in yeah. in the first three minutes. I think that's pretty good. That's where you know you lift me up when I <laughs> when I fall down. That's I'm with pod buddies. When I when I fail, you're there to catch me. Pod buds. Um, as I spoke to you off the mic, um, somewhat relevant to what we're talking about, I did 
go on a hunt today for a ghost town yes. with my girlfriend. Yeah. Did not yield the most spectacular results. Maybe you uh, gotta go at night. No, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered because there was no town. I expected a town, but the thing is, so the spot we went to, basically the town was washed away in a river. So all that's left are foundations and very few. I expected there to be a town. Like I wanted to see some sort of buildings, but apparently what she's told me, that's kind of the case in general with the the ghost towns that are near us, they're just, they're not really towns. There's, there's no edifices that exist still. There's only remnants. So whatever. I, I was a little underwhelmed, but you know, any area like kind of outside of the city is it's, it's scenic in this area. So it was, it was nice to take a trip, even though it didn't quite give me the satisfaction that I, had fantasized about yeah that's a that's a real shame I'm, and i'm sorry it didn't work out i'm sorry you know and anyways it reminds so yeah, me like what, what you were saying is kind of like um geist <laughs> i always think of geist <laughs> geist uh well for our non uh Hoosier viewers uh geist is a reservoir that they flooded an old town called germantown they just fucking flooded it to make this reservoir and i always think about that lost city that's underneath like it's so fucking creepy to think about yeah and i always thought that like it's named after i guess it's named the reservoir is named after some dude whose last name is geist but to tie into tonight's theme i always thought it was akin to like poltergeist (laughs) i always thought there was like some connection there I never had that thought. I just assumed it was somebody's name. Yeah. The, the guy's last but, name is Geist, but the name of the town, the German town is the name of the town that got fucking flooded in order to put this reservoir there. And I, I, it's so weird that there's like boating and kayaking and like sport fishing, like on top of this, like town, like that, that is uh, the makings of a movie right there. Like a haunted lake town. Right. A cursed haunted lake town that, you know, at some point it's uh, it's watery denizens will return. Yeah, like the fog. Only they're coming to like mm-hmm. choke like Reggie Miller and like a cult <laughs> Colts players and shit. <laughs> you know, the only people that could afford to live in Geist. Exactly. Yeah. So Geist is in, is in Indiana and uh for those that don't know, Pat currently resides in Indiana. I am a former resident of Indiana, so I'm gonna get some, get a little inside, you know, inside humor from two Hoosiers there. I'm a little bit country. You're a little bit rock and roll. Second episode reference in a row. I hope we keep yeah. it going. Yeah, probably. Who knows? We'll see. So. We're going to do a rundown tonight of uh, haunted house ghosts movies, I guess both. And I feel like of the of the episodes we've done so far, this is like the most self-explanatory. <laughs> like a cult is like kind of vague. Uh, it's yeah. a lot of things can go or be uh, in the occult kind of 
nebulous, uh, but haunted house movies is fairly, fairly, uh, it's, it's all in the title. I mean, it's a, it's a house, scary house stuff. Oftentimes there's possession related to it. So possession either of the house or the individuals in the house become possessed. Uh, those are the general, general premise, I would say, or just spooky ghost shit going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk about, we're going to try and, and narrow it down to what we consider, you know, a handful of good ones that we like and we often revisit or think about, or maybe we recently watched them. We think they're good and we want to, we want to, you know, give them a little shine. And we're going to talk about ones that we think are bad. And then we're going to volley off what we both individually think is the best representation of this subgenre. Um, so there you go. As we've been doing with the, the previous three episodes, we'll continue henceforth to do that. Great. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, unless you have any other points of order before that, we'll go ahead and uh, g- get into the good. Let's fucking do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it off to you like I like to do to go ahead and get the ball rolling. What do you what do you consider a good haunted house spooky house ghost movie? I started with um, much like uh, a lot of these episodes. Uh, there's a lot of recency bias. I just recent stuff that I've watched, but um, the Poltergeist trilogy. Uh, all three of those bad boys. Um, I just think are great. Uh, the first one, obviously directed by Toby Hooper and, um, written by, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, is probably one of the best examples of like a all ages spook you the fuck out, uh, uh, movie. Like it's, it's not great. It's like a excellent example of like a great PG Scarathon, like all ages welcome on that one. <laughs> um, but two is actually one of my favorites of the three. I like, I like three it takes place in the, in the high rise apartment, uh, daily. And I think, it, I think it's great. Um, but two, as we've, uh, we discussed a little bit off mic, but two has some really rad scenes, specifically that, that tequila worm, uh, is so fucking gnarly and, and awesome. And, uh, I think you mentioned the braces, the attack of the braces, uh, yeah, that thing fucking rules. Um, and I think as most good haunted house have movies have good stories behind it. This is like in a cursed fucking movie. Like it, the set was like cursed from the jump. There's like multiple examples of, people working on this movie that died, the most famous of which is Heather O'Rourke, um, yeah. obviously who plays Carol Ann. She died at the age of like, 
I think she was like 12 or 13 when she died and just like had her heart stopped like two or three times. And then they just said it was a combination of a bowel obstruction and like septic. It just, it's sounded, it, it's fucking gnarly. I don't know how a 12 year old dies like that. Um, but the, the movies themselves, all three, I think it's a, it's a great pocket trilogy. And then they fucked it up by doing that shit piece of shit remake in 2015 it was just the, one of the worst one of the worst imaginable remakes and i know we we rail against remakes a lot but that is seriously so vapid and void of any and all just like originality whatsoever it's so bad but that that pocket trilogy 82 86 88 i love all three yeah so as far as it being a cursed movie that actually, it has one of my favorite myths associated with it as far as why it is a cursed movie. And that that's the, uh, the rumor that the corpses that they use oh, yeah. that bu- bubble up from like, you know, the, the, the pit of like the foundational pit of one of the houses in the original in the original one supposedly were real because they were like so realistic that people have been some people have been convinced that they just used real corpses um that has been debunked it's just it was just very very you know very very well crafted practical effects but i always thought that was pretty funny um as I told you, I actually watched two recently. I hadn't seen it in a long time. It didn't quite age as well, but there are, for me, there's choice scenes in it that I love. I can't remember the last time I saw three. I remember the high rise aspect of it. So, and like a, lo- a young ass Laura Flynn Boyle, is it? Yeah. So I remember those parts, but honestly, I, I can't remember anything else about it. So I can't really give excuse me a proper uh estimation of how i feel about it but the first one for sure i will say this too because we had that discussion not too long ago where i was saying how i was asked if there's any horror movie that has actually terrified me or frightened me in any way shape or form throughout my whole life and you know i just was like i can't really think of anything but you know actually now that i think about it poltergeist is it that fucking clown like i know that that's one for a lot of people but i actually do remember that clown in the first one scaring the shit out of me it's great it's effective use of like just it's it's not gory or violent or anything like that which is typically you know that for you and i that's not the kind of shit that scares us um Mm -hmm. but it is yeah it's a like fucking accursed objects and shit just like coming to life. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If, if I, if I was really to drill down into my psyche and talk about what would actually terrify me subject matter wise, and this is the same for my partner. It is that, that it's the, the ghost supernatural. And yeah, I have, I have pretty, pretty old memories associated with seeing poltergeist and being pretty bugged out by it as a kid. Um, the TV scene, obviously the, the, the crazy, like, you know, like portal vortex thing that they open up. Yeah. Um, so 
there's a lot about it that's pretty pretty terrifying. What three? What so. the third one utilizes that I remember because I I haven't seen it in, in a minute, but I remember them utilizing mirrors very effectively. And there's like a series of like there's a lot of reflective surfaces in this. It's in the Jane, it's in the John Hancock Center, like in Chicago. Um, yeah, but she's like walking past mirrors and sees like like ninety eight year old Carol Ann in the mirror, and it is horrifying. Okay. It is I so remember, scary. Yeah, I, I love, I love that that thing. That movie single handedly like fucking made me fearful of mirrors. Like you are <laughs> you are one thing on one side, but the other side is like going back to the first one like the it's the portal uh to that yeah. other dimension and um yeah it, it's it's great there's a great like uh there's a great parking lot scene <laughs> where like they're able to like come out of like the puddles in the that that have formed in the parking lot and shit like anything with a reflective surface is like a a gate or a portal to yeah. to fucking hell so yeah all three are great they're all fun I've never seen the remake also so I can't say anything about it but you know you know you know what my default oh, setting boy. is yeah, I, <laughs> so, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie to you don't even fuck around with it <laughs> there's no possible fathomable way that you'll come away with anything yeah so I think what I will volley uh, with that is because I want to keep with this whole theme of parts of movies that I think are genuinely terrifying. Another one that actually came to mind, and this is a thing that we thought of recently when we were watching some movies, was have you ever seen the original House on Haunted Hill? Yes. With, yeah. With Vincent Price. Yeah, I, I was that I just um, that's so funny. You said that. I, I just finished it before I got on on the mic. That's what I was watching, like literally five seconds ago. That's great. So the old blind woman like, yeah, me they put the her on like the out. fucking dolly. They just like dolly her in there. Yeah. 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 No, that, that is that is. One of the best, and it still holds up, like one of the best jump scares uh, in a long time. Absolutely. And it's a it's a William Castle movie. Any, and so if anybody knows anything about William Castle, it's that he was known as being a director that utilized the jump scare, used a lot of like kind of like tricks and um, I guess uh, gimmicks to terrify audiences. I believe he was the one that was associated with the tingler do you know about the tingler yes. story i i yeah. am all about all of william castle's uh gimmicks there was a gimmick associated with each one of his movies and each one of his movies was said to be filmed in a in a in a thing like a a specific uh vision that is like completely made up like house on a hill is filmed in emergo and tingler is filmed <laughs> in percepto vision yeah dude his he was like a pioneer like well before his yeah. time just like wanting to create a full theater experience of like like for instance the tingler where they the the chairs were fucking uh set up to buzz and all that shit that's great yeah and of course it stars william, uh william it stars not william castle it stars vincent price which i personally can't recall any movie that i've seen that vincent price has been in that i didn't like so, I mean, I pretty much like everything I've seen him in. 
You know, I, I recently I kind of fell asleep, not because I don't like the movie, but I recently did watch some of Mask of the Red Death. So, you know, classic, classic uh, personage to have there with any any horror movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I also wanted to just bring that up because I really like that movie. And um, I feel like also with the haunted house genre, this is the type of subgenre that if you want to watch a really good, like old horror movie that, that, that the, that subgenre is more suitable, I guess for a lot of, I guess people that are like picky about horror or whatever, or people that don't want to watch like stuff that is too old or whatever. But I feel like you usually can't go wrong with like any older haunted house sort of movie, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. So where do you stand on the house on haunted Hill remake from the, the 1999? So I, uh, that's another one that I haven't seen in a long time, but I remember actually really liking it. And that brings me to another movie that I just want to touch upon quick. Cause we had a little discussion on online about it was, I actually did like the remake of 13, 13 ghosts. Yeah. And 13 so, ghosts, the original being a William Castle movie too, which I have not seen. Right. Yeah. So, and I feel like House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts premise-wise are kind of similar. So, um, but yeah, I like I like the remake a lot. Um, but it's one of those movies that it's pretty vague in my memory. It was surprisingly good though to me, the remake that is. And so. his it, I read because I was reading a bunch of William Castle because I was watching um House on Haunted Hill and I read that the gimmick for 13 Ghosts is everyone was handed these glasses that look like 3D glasses, but it was a ghost viewer. Basically like yeah. what in the in the remake what where they have to wear the viewers in order to see the ghosts. This was like if you were too scared, you would switch to the different color viewer. But in order to see the ghosts, like on the screen, you had to switch to the other color. Like, so it was like red and yeah. blue. And if you were scared, you'd go to blue. And if you were wanting to see the ghost, you'd have to switch back to red. Like what a fucking funky, like awesome conceptual idea. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, I think I might've read a little bit about it, but yeah, William Castle definitely had all that cool stuff up his sleeve. Um, yeah. So, and uh, what else do you got? <laughs> Um, it's funny. We're going to go from, uh, William Castle, 1959, 1950s to uh, everything I have left is, is contemporary or modern. Um, I, I, the next one I had was the insidious trilogy, uh, 2010, 2013, 2015. Um, Lee Wanell actually writes all of them. He stars in all of them and he directs the third one. The first two are directed by James Wan. Um, but it has to do with like lots of like cool, like astral projection and demonology. And speaking of uh, throwback episodes, Barbara Hershey is the uh, she plays the grandmother in yeah. um, in the first insidious. And obviously she is in the entity, which is a midnight flicks episode um and all and also could fall under the haunted house yeah the entity could category. definitely be thrown in here and i would throw entity in my good if we didn't talk about it ad nauseum in a <laughs> right in a, in a two-hour format um yeah but yeah I, I i think all three of those are are super fun yeah i've only actually seen the first one i haven't seen any of the sequels and i hadn't seen the first one until 
pretty recently. And finally I was like, okay, cause you know, once again, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta really vet the, the newer stuff and I got enough, um, I got enough good thumbs. I got enough thumbs up on it. that I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I actually really did enjoy it a lot. And we talked about it when we talked about the entity that it does have a lot of similarities to that. Uh, the first one, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Of, it really does. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of how the story goes. Um, so, and like, it's also, it is a very cool premise because it's this idea that, you know, the, the parents are tricked because they think the house is haunted, but it's actually the, the person is haunted. So the yeah. haunting follows them wherever they he go. Want, it, this entity wants the boy because like... <laughs> The boy is suffering from a, a, a critical illness of some sort. And so it weakens him to to, you know, uh, being able to be taken. Um, and so but him and his dad share this gift of astral projection, um, which also makes him susceptible to being taken because he's he's like projecting himself to different planes of existence in his dreams. And he goes a little too far into the nether, into the dark part of astral projection and can't find his way out. And, but his dad who suppressed all these memories as a kid actually had a similar childhood and his mother has to like remind him of it. And he has to like save his own kid through this astral astral plane. It's fucking, it's so, it's so good. It really is. And it holds up. Like every time I watch the first three are all unique and good. And then there's a, there's a fourth one that I didn't even mention called the last key. And I like not even, I don't fuck with the last key. Like I thought it was terrible. I saw it in theaters. Can we take a TV timeout? My daughter climbed out of bed, walked in here, and it just it has been sitting on the bed for the past ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta put her back to bed. Hold on. I was hoping you would have some story that your your daughter was like acting like creepy and possessed and well, I was I, I wasn't gonna <laughs> say anything but uh, it, in in conjunction with what we're talking about uh, <laughs> she said she uh, she heard a scary noise um, oh in her yeah. closet her closet was a jar and uh, I went in there and we just were talking about insidious and I actually kind of creeped myself out. <laughs> And I put her to bed and then I closed the door and she was like, daddy. And I was like, Ugh, what? And then I opened the door again. She's like, I, I promise I won't get back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very cute. Um, but I feel like she's going to get back up, but we'll see where this goes. <laughs> do you want, do you want, she can be the dial a dude. She is the fucking dial a dude for this. Episode. Let me hop on this fucking monitor. Baby, lay down. Huh? You don't have to go potty. Lay down. (laughs) Cover yourself up. 
Okay, Daddy's got to work. <laughs> Good night. Yes, I'm in the room right next to yours. Don't worry. Let's see, let's see how long this lasts. Um, okay. Well, I think we we were pretty much, I, I think the stopping point was the end of Insidious. So if you wanted to just. Sure. Um, sure. I could throw it, throw it to you. What, what do you have? And I have so, so many that I, I want to talk about. So I'm just trying to think like, what, what is a good one that I should give some shine to that I feel like maybe some people don't really think about. So this is one I want to I want to talk about. Um, the I guess there's part of me that's reluctant to bring it up because I feel like I'm not going to do it justice by being able to describe it. Mm. Hopefully you've seen it, so we well, that'll that'd be, help that'd be helpful. Turn the wheels, but I'll bring it up anyways, um, and we'll see where it goes. But have you seen the Japanese house? Yes, <laughs> I own the Criterion oh, so, okay. collection. Okay, fantastic. That's good. So this will make it easier. So that's one that um, I definitely wanted to bring up because it is an it, it is an amazing movie, and you know maybe a lot of people haven't seen it because it's kind of a weirdo Japanese movie from the seventies. But it is a haunted house movie. Um, it's kind of a comedy, <laughs> but yeah, it's I would like say a dark comedy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a super super deranged movie, and I feel like only this could have been made by a, a Japanese director because it's so batshit. In fact, I was just kind of like while you were away, kind of like looking at some stuff online and some review. Someone said, like, you know, don't watch this movie while you're on drugs, <laughs> or do. Oh my god, um, I don't think you'd ever you you would never recover. <laughs> <laughs> I personally have never watched it on any sort of mind altering substances, but I could see it going either way. Like either it could be like a real wild ride or it's going to fuck you up. Um, but yeah, so it's like, it's essentially, <clears throat> it's a psychedelic black comedy horror haunted house movie yeah. about these schoolgirls who go to one of the schoolgirls aunt's house and it turns out to be haunted. <laughs> yeah it's it's so hard and, to like it's i know you're like doing your best to describe it but it is <laughs> so fucking bonkers like it's the guy it's the like we're talking about like don't do drugs and fucking watch this movie like we're we're like <laughs> officially dare members but um it's like the kind of movie that does the drugs for you like it did the drugs yeah. you don't need to do them right it, <laughs> it did the fucking drugs for you but yeah i mean for all intents and purposes that is the loosey-goosey premise um it's basically about their travels to this to this country home um and then they face a, a series of fucking weirdo things along the way <laughs> yeah and and as far as aesthetic goes it's like it's a combination of what i would describe as sort of like an hr puffin stuff uh kind of uh weird collage pastiche almost like a cartoon in certain aspects where <laughs> like there's, a, there's parts where the, the, the girls are dismembered or their heads are removed, but it's just like, they just took their head 
and just kind of like cut and pasted it yeah. onto the film, you know? So it's, there's no, there's no real serious or in any way convincing use of practical effects here. It is purely a, sur- there are surrealistic devices that are used. It's not trying to in any way, try to convince the viewer that, you know, that it's realistic. It's, it's supposed to be, um, very deranged and like I said, cartoon, like a child, it's a, it's a childlike movie in a lot of ways, but there's some really brutal violence in it that happens. And there's even some nudity. So again, it's in that sense, I feel very Japanese that it's like, it's got this like cutesy kind of innocence to it, but it's also very like disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember listening to the director's commentary when I uh, just like one night randomly and um, cause it's the kind of movie that you can just watch with director's commentary on very easily. Cause it's so, it's so bonkers that you're not really missing out on anything. And it's cool to see him describe various aspects of the film. But I do specifically remember him saying that the special effects were purposely made to look unrealistic because they're supposed to yeah. be from the perspective of a child or as if a child this is the child's imagination of what these decapitations and, and various hauntings yeah. would look like. And and so from that aspect, it's even, even nuttier than, than usual. Um, it, it is, yeah. it's crazy. And I assumed as much, I, I, I really, you can tell when you're watching the movie that that is an, a conscious directorial device that they're trying to, to, to utilize there i'm glad you brought it, it up because i had it um like it was in the back of my mind i was like i'm not gonna bring it up because i don't even like don't even know how to talk about it and if adam just happened to not have seen it then it's it's like you might we might as well not fucking talk about it. but i'm glad we both have because uh <laughs> it's it we both had, it's weird yeah we both had similar um um, fears about bringing that movie up. You, uh, reservations. you fucking pulled the trigger. I'm glad you did. I, <laughs> and I think if you are into avant-garde cinema or, um, I mean, but it's also beautifully filmed. Like it's very colorful. Mm-hmm. It's like uh midsummer colorful. Like it's radiantly yeah. the, the blood like splashes like an Argento movie on it. The blood yeah. is like red, red, red. Um, but if you're into like avant-garde goofball fucking, Japanese cinema, it is up there. I, I I love it a lot, and I don't tend to like weird for the sake of weird. But this this it's up there. Yeah. So I'll leave it to you. you well, you, I, uh, I really you, only have one um, one left, and then I you know I, there was other ones that I left off, like House or or the others. I I didn't. I don't know if you were planning on talking about the others, but I didn't. I was I, didn't I was considering talking about both of them, but you talk about whatever and then so the movie that i did want to talk about was sinister um and i think we talked about maybe that you like don't like ethan hawk for some reason or you just yeah. no i don't have any issues with ethan hawk well good <laughs> so it's from 2012 um and it stars ethan hawk it, you know, if you had told me it was a Stephen King uh, story, I would have believed you because it is a very Stephen King premise. But he's a like a true crime novelist who's like um, kind of struggling, uh, has like writer's block 
And so he moves his family into this home where a series of murders has happened without telling his family um, to gain inspiration. And he finds a, a box of super eight home movies that like border on being snuff films and depicting um, um, various families being uh, murdered in elaborate ways. Mm. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, it, it has to do with an ancient deity named Bagul who um, manipulates children into killing their families. So conceptually it is fucking so tight and dark um, and executionally it fucking works. And there are so many examples of bad movies um, uh, where they hire a big name star to be in like, to try to sell a, a horror movie idea. And it just like nine times out of 10 never fucking works. And this is an example of, um, of one that really just like instant classic kind of shit. Um, like Johnny Depp and secret window, like fuck that movie and fuck Johnny Depp. Like <laughs> the, 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 he's not the only example of it. Like they've pulled stars out to try to, to try to sell, these faux horror movies, but this is like real deal horror and Ethan Hawke does a fucking excellent job in it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. And I actually was like thinking when you brought it up that I wasn't even really like familiar with the premise, but now that you talk about it, I feel like we have had some discussion about it previous, uh, uh, previously, sorry. Um, I don't know where the idea came up that I didn't like Ethan Hawke. Maybe I might've been talking shit about him, but, I don't. There was another movie I that I brought up, and I was like, "Oh, it's Ethan Hawke," and you're like, "For whatever reason, I just can't get into Ethan Hawke or something like that." Huh? That's wild. I no, don't I don't feel like I have any bones with him. Maybe I did at one point, and I just—I don't know. I've suppressed that memory. <laughs> no, he's fine. <laughs> he, he's, he's fine. I mean, he's—he's a—he's a perfectly competent actor, and you know, he's been in stuff that I like for sure. And so, yeah, who knows yeah, what whatever. we would have talked about? Because there's not a lot of uh, Ethan Hawke doesn't come on our radar very often. Yeah, I just I don't know specifically any movies that we would have any other lengthy discussions about that he's in. Like again, there's movies that I like that he's been in. Like I like um, he was in Reality Bites, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you but, seen the Before you know, trilogy? No, I haven't seen Before any. trilogy rules, yeah. and I'm not into okay. like the uh, romantic dramas. But the Before trilogy, it it fucking rules. Uh, but yeah, it's also he's, he's great. He's also in Boyhood, right? Which I still haven't seen. Yeah, that. Boyhood rules. Boyhood rules okay. just from the idea of them shooting a movie for 10 years. Like Richard Linklater yeah. is a real maniac. But uh, you literally get <laughs> yeah. to see everybody age like Patricia Arquette. Well, she's ageless. It's funny. She doesn't. She ages the least in the 10 years. But you see yeah. Ethan Hawke age. You see the boy. The boy ages radically, obviously, because it's uh, that's the those are the prime years where you are like fucking growing like a weed. And his sister. It, it's it's really, really good. Cool. And Training Day. Um, Who doesn't fucking like Training Day? Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that either. We'll do an we'll Ethan Hawke uh, Midnight Flicks episode. I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm fine with that, too. Um, I guess what I'm going to do, because, you know, time is of the essence, I just want to give, like, maybe just a real quick rundown of some other ones that we can't really talk about, but I do think are good and fit this category. You already brought up the others. Um, also the first house movie, not the Japanese one. Um, some older ones from the seventies. They're, they're really good. 
people should check out Burnt Offerings, The Changeling. Those are both really good. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, fucking George C. Scott guy. I love George yeah. C. Scott. Uh, the Legend of Hell House, also really good. And Night of the Demons from the 80s, uh, 1988. Yeah. Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley. We got to get one of her movies on the on the pod here coming up. Oh, it'll definitely happen. We'll definitely have to talk about at some point Return of the Living Dead because that's. Yeah, we'll probably throw that one on there. Um, so yeah, so let's move on to the bad. I've got definitely got a couple pretty glaring ones. It's funny. Um, this this category has you know movies that I really really like and, and cherish, but it also has a couple in particular that are just like some of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> wow, I'm interested here because I struggled mightily with my bad. Okay, well, you want me to head it off then? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So. I think I've mentioned before that I it takes a lot for me to walk out of a movie. Oh, my God. Is this uh, an example what, of such? Well, it's very close. I've only walked out of one or two movies in my whole life. One of them being the second Blair Witch. I got about 30 minutes into it. And I was like, fuck this. Walked out. Um, <laughs> and then. I almost walked out on Antichrist when I saw it. Oh, but we've then talked about this. Yeah. I stuck it through and then like had a complete just 180. You fucking on you would like, have regretted it. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa, it all made sense to me. It was really weird. Um, but this movie, I came so fucking like just throughout most of the movie. I'm like sitting up like about to just bolt for the door. But the Amityville Horror remake with uh, Ryan Reynolds is one of the shittiest goddamn movies I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I was going to bring this up in my bad, too, but then I didn't know how to dis- discuss it. Uh, but go ahead and I'll piggyback off of it. Well, it just one thing in particular is there's so this is a problem I have with a lot of remakes. This is the problem I had with the Halloween remake that Rob Zombie did. It's the problem I have with this one is for some fucking reason, these directors, when they readapt them, they want to tack on this real shitty backstory to these movies that I feel like, you know, most of the time, these movies don't need a, a backstory. The original one is sufficient enough. It's sufficiently contained. And it, it's able to give you enough of an impression as to why what's happening with the, the, the killer in the movie or the house. But then these movies, they just kind of tack it on almost as an afterthought. And this is another one of those examples of it where they tried to develop this backstory with Amityville Horror Remake that the house was somehow possessed by essentially an evil pilgrim. And his name was like Ketchum. And he had like he, like you could hear him whisper, catch him and kill him, <sighs> some sort of phrase Gosh. like that. It, it's just like the most cornball fucking horseshit. Um, so that always stuck out in my mind as far as like any other minutiae of the movie, just other than like shitty acting, the vibes not there at all. And again, because if you're like us. 
you're usually what you're doing in your mind is when you're watching these movies, you're comparing and contrasting them to the originals to see how they hold up, to see, you know, where they're detracting from the original or where they might be adding to what the original brought to the table and maybe enhancing it. And a lot of times these remakes, they don't in any way. So that for me was the big, you know, that's what did it for me. It was like, wow, really like this. And it's like right at the end too, you know, where they have, they introduce this character into the story when he's just completely unnecessary. So that one right there, big, big thumbs down for me, Amityville or remake. Yeah. And Um, you'd think the most famous American ghost story of all time wouldn't need any sort of backs. You don't add a backstory to a story that everyone's familiar with. You're like, that is the advantage of doing that movie is everybody knows the goddamn story and no one's going to buy a ticket to go see this unless they knew the story. Uh, yeah. So the idea that they would add shit to it like that is so insane. Uh, the only thing, other thing I wanted to add to it was the absurdity of that franchise. There's eight, eight <laughs> fucking count them, eight fucking sequels to that original just the original from 19, <laughs> yeah. 1979 to 1996, they made eight Amityville horror movies. That doesn't include that the remake from 2005 up until like a week from now, they're about to release the fourth one has four sequels. So from 2005 to 2020, they made four Amityville horror movies. <laughs> it is an insane insane franchise there there is no reason this franchise should have 12 movies like it is like how the fuck does it have as many as like friday the 13th and like halloween and it for an idea for a premise that doesn't change and a killer that can't like move like locations like it's the same goddamn house um that's that the absurdity of that is is just so fucking bonkers which while I was doing the research for this episode, I found that there there was a Amityville 3D <laughs> at one point. Yes, I've yes, what? I've seen it. Oh, really? You have? It's uh, a real pile of shit. <laughs> I don't think I've seen any of the remakes. Honestly, I might have seen the second one at one point. But this is a franchise that I just know in no way, shape or form had interest in delving any further into its it's a uh, it's anthology. Well, just in case like, you are ever fucking interested in getting separating yourself from uh, Amityville 3D anymore, let me just tell you that <laughs> Meg Ryan is in it, and that fucking that dumbass from uh, Full House who uh, had the college scandal, um, Lori oh, Lori Laughlin, yeah, Lori Laughlin <laughs> and Meg Ryan are in it. So there you fucking oh. go. So spooky. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm already scared. The the premise of of that movie is all white privilege. That's what makes it so scary. That's what's so terrifying. (laughs) Their white privilege is haunting them. Yes, it is. That's that's, (laughs) the third one is uniquely scary in that way. Um so there's that one. The other one I wanted to say real quick, because this is a, a newer shout out, is I went and saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I was actually kind of like looking forward to it. I saw and it in theaters. Yeah, so did I. And I was I was real bummed out about it. It it started. 
it started off like it could potentially be okay. I, I knew it was going to be a silly, basically a kid's movie. So I didn't go into it with any pretension that it was going to be like some like crazy fucked up movie. Um, but that's the thing. You know, I like those. I like those books. I read them when I was a kid. So they have a special place in my heart. And when they started off with the story about the toe and the stew, mm-hmm. you know, it had, potential. And the, it had potential. And then it just like it, it, it just really went into the shitter real fast to the point where we went as a group and like people in my group were just cackling with laughter, <laughs> you know, like almost like mystery science theater, you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 and the fucking screen while we were in the theater. So that's another one that was like a heap of shit. And probably, you know, I, you know, if I wasn't with other people, I might have walked out on. But I was we were having a good time despite of it. They should have had Del Toro should have fucking directed it. And I thought at one point he was I, I know he wrote the screenplay. He like adapted it. But like, yeah, he should have just fucking directed it. I, I like, I right. thought he was um at one point going to. That's what I thought uh, too. And then it did you. It's clearly not directed by him. Uh, no, but yeah, that that was one of its failings. Yeah, so that's what I have for my bads. My bad might be controversial. I don't know, but mm. um, ooh, I love controversy. <laughs> I'm gonna dredge this back up. Uh, I'm just going to bring up, uh, nah, never mind. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) what I, I, what I was going to say, I'm just going to bring up Mandy again. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, (laughs) Mandy's on all my bed. Um, so Juwan, um, the, the original, well, it's the American version is called the grudge, but Juwan from 2002 and the grudge from 2004, I think the grudge specifically is objectively a terrible fucking movie. It's just an Mm. awful, awful fucking movie. And I remember seeing it in theaters when I was a teenager and it's scaring me and being like, this movie rules. And it's just one of those ones that I've uh, revisited within the last year and was like, couldn't even get through it. And I love Sarah Michelle Gellar like a lot. Um, Yeah. But I then I re, then I was like, oh well, I'll just watch uh, Juwan. I'll just watch the original, and I was like bored to fucking tears. And I remember that one also scaring me. I just I don't know. There's there's really early two thousands Japanese cliches that I'm in horror specifically that I am like fucking over. That I no longer yeah. are fucking scary or, or even just boring at this point. Like little kid with like opening his mouth and just constant like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I don't need yeah, just weird the, mouth noises and shit. Like it is none of, <laughs> and cats. Like cats aren't scary ever. It's so <laughs> like it, I don't know. I think the Juwan the original is um genuinely like a good piece of filmmaking. I just think it's a little overrated in hindsight. I think at the time it was probably really groundbreaking, but I was bored to goddamn tears with it. And the grudge specifically fucking sucks. Yeah, 
I know I I actually I'm pretty sure I own a copy a VHS copy of Juan, so I, I had to watch it at some point. I never bothered with any of the Grudge movies. I think there's multiple ones, right? Uh, yeah, there's, and then they remade the Grudge. It came out this year or last year, and the last year mm-hmm. I think, and it is one of the most reprehensible movies ever. <laughs> it's crazy because they're remaking a 2005 2004 movie. Like, yeah, 2004 Already. Grudge came out in 2004. The remake of it just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Well, I never bothered with it because a it it just it struck me all you know right from the bat as being something I wouldn't like, and also it just seemed to me like, isn't this just the same premise as the Ring? Well, that's that's funny because its <laughs> counterpart, uh, both Ringu and the Ring, are both phenomenal. That like the Ring yeah. is a good example of. I actually think the Ring is more palatable and more rewatchable than Ringu. I, yeah. I think it's super well done. You get like Naomi Watts does a fantastic job in it, and it holds up. Like her coming out of the TV is a little, uh, you know, that those effects are may not hold uh, as yeah. strong now. But I think the story itself is is still terrifying. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, as opposed to the Grudge that just did not hold. Like none of it held. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not uh, again without really having a, a strong opinion on it. I can almost assuredly agree that I would be on your side with this one. So I almost wish you would have had a really like controversial hot take that we could have. Yeah, I'm sorry. Out well, I feel like a lot of people like Juan, uh, or maybe even have not seen it in a while and forget <laughs> forget that it's actually just ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> creepy mouth noises the, the creaking mouth the haunted creaking mouth um I, that's those were my two really i don't have anything else great no we sufficiently hammered those bad so here we go drum roll please here is our, our best and i'm gonna let you go with it i i'm going to I'm going to probably throw out what would be um, a kind of left field one with this. Mine is as well. You know, I like to do that with these. I like to throw the ones out that people don't see coming. But you go ahead and do yours first. Um, well, this is really funny that we just talked about this. Um, I you And I implore you to go watch it because I know you'll fucking love it. <laughs> Amityville 2, The Possession is my fucking favorite haunted house movie. And, uh, I watched it today and actually I just put, I made a post for my 31 days on Instagram right before we jumped on the mic. Um, so I'm going to say that a lot of the same things in that, that I did in that post, but it is genuinely one of the most sadistic and evil and hopeless and forlorn and fucking vile movies (laughs) that I think I've ever seen. Uh, It is nuts. There is no hope in this movie. There is like no silver lining of hope. It is pure carnage. And it is like the deconstruction of American family values in the most satanic and like vile fucking format possible. It is so good. It's so good. And just because I like to talk about fucking try to sneak Rocky into every one of these podcasts, uh, Burt Young, who plays um, Polly in the Rocky, he he's the dad in this. And he's just like a abusive, like piece of shit in it. Um, the 
the premise of the movie is a little bit confusing because it's supposed to be a prequel to the first one. So basically this family is supposed to be the DeFeos, but they changed right. the name um, to the Montellis. But for all intents and purposes, this is like what happened uh, before the Lutzes moved in, um, in, in the quote unquote first movie. Um, but it is based off of like real DeFeo tes- uh, testimonials. Um Specifically, what is so unnerving about it is that Ronnie DeFeo allegedly in real life had a incestuous relationship with his sister. And it's actually thought that she was actually one of the accomplices in the murders because forever it was thought that Ronnie DeFeo could not have committed all those murders by himself. This movie takes that little nugget of incest and goes full bore. There is uncomfortable incest in this fucking thing. <laughs> like I said, complete de- deconstruction of American family values. There was cut scenes from this movie. First of all, there was a scene where Burt Young's character uh, sodomizes his wife that did not make the cut. Oh, that didn't make the Jesus cut, apparently. Christ. That one was was out. That got cut out. And just before any all of the incest goes down, there's an incredibly uncomfortable scene detailing most of it. And they actually filmed a graphic sex scene between this brother and sister. And that didn't make the cut. Apparently Um, it is a wild movie. And our, our dude, Tommy Lee Wallace, who directed and co-wrote season of the witch. He is, uh, he wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. Um, It is wild. And I think you'll love it. It is dark and the ending is wild. Um, It takes a little bit of a, uh, a lull in the start of the third act and then just gets ramped up um, at, at the end. It, it's, it's great. You've highly piqued my interest and you checked a lot of boxes with talking about the utter perversity and carnality of this movie. Sodomy. So, incest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that it was this, this uh, debauched of a movie. So yeah, it is definitely perverse. It is literally <laughs> perverse. I, I remember um, I remember watching it for the first time several years ago and being like, holy shit, like this is the sequel? Like what is going on here? This yeah. is nuts. Um, and I remember yeah. somebody, I think it was one of the bloody disgusting writers said that uh, a cousin of his showed it to him um, when he was a kid and he was like, you want to see a fucked up movie? And he was like, what's it about? <laughs> and it's like, it's about this this brother who takes a bunch of naked pictures of his sister and then fucks her. Um, and he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> which is funny because that's not the premise that's not it's not like that's the, that's the premise of the movie um yeah but you, you will love it i don't think i've spoiled too much honestly but um no 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 i think i might even get put on uh, put on the tv tonight actually do it it's great so. what a, a great ride text me if you if you watch it will do i'll definitely definitely have a discussion with you about it so what uh, I'm assuming that, that that's it. Yes. Yeah, no, that's I, everyone. Hi. If you're a real freak, you got to go see that high praise for Amityville too. And you know, that's the thing I really love when there are those instances of the sequel in certain ways, critically, maybe not being quite as lauded or given the shine that it should. But I feel like for the real heads, there's the sequels that are like, no, man, this fucking rules. It's almost better than the original. You know, we talked about Psycho 2 and we did a whole podcast on Halloween 3 where 
to me, those are like straightaway examples of sequels that, you know, in the in the larger parlance or whatever, you know, in, in the critical parlance, maybe don't get its due. But I think like fucking rule and, you know, should definitely be watched by people. Um, that are into this stuff if they haven't seen it. So true freaks apply uh, within. Exactly. <laughs> so what I'm going to bring up as my best is, like I said, it's probably a little bit out of left field because it is a haunted movie, but it is not a haunted house. And it goes back to talking about our dude, Stephen King that we brought up. So let me say before I bring this up, now, when we were talking about the cult movies, we, you know, we gave a nod, obviously, to The Exorcist and The Omen and those movies that, yes, these are like staples that everybody should be into. If you don't love these movies and realize their significance, you're a fucking poser. With the slasher ones, I just had to like straight out be like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like no questions. So that was where I kind of stayed on the path a little bit. With this, I'll say... Yes, um, you know, fucking uh, Amityville, the original one. Yes, definitely. Like, that's a must-see, amazing movie. Like, it's actually a pretty terrifying movie again. And also The Shining. These are both movies that are about haunted places that are crucial in, you know, your foundational understanding of horror movies. But because I have a special attachment to this movie, I have such a deep love for this movie. My best goes to Christine. Wow. You're going to have to make a case for how this is a haunted house movie. Well, it's not a haunted house movie, but it is. That's what I'm saying. But it is a haunted thing. Sure. Yes. Some of the boxes. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's why I wanted to say, like, you know, when I was talking about this up at the top. Yes, this is haunted houses, but it's also about ghosts. So, you know, as far as the categories that we've had so far. Christine wouldn't necessarily fit into any of these perfectly. You know, it's not a slasher. It's not an occult movie, not an anthology, but it is a haunted. It's a ghost story. It's a haunted movie. Um, Now, depending on whether you interpret the book, you know, book or the, you know, the book story or the movie story, you know, you don't really know why Christine is haunted. Um, It could be that it's possessed. It could be that it's just it's just an evil entity. So and I know you love Stephen King um, and maybe you can talk more about your theories about it. I have not read Christine. Okay, so I have read most of it. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I didn't finish it. So at least I can at least talk somewhat about, you know, the story versus the movie. Um, I know, I know but, he's very picky with his adaptations and I know that he was, uh, I thought I remember him being pleased with how Christine came out. One right, of the and, rare instances in which he was happy with it. And that that's because shout out to our dude behind the helm there, John Carpenter. Yes, of course. Well, yeah, we, I, yeah, it's stupid of us to not even mention that, uh, John Carpenter directed it. Yeah. Yeah. So this to me like checks off a few boxes where it's me giving a nod to our dude, John Carpenter, because um, up until this point, you know, yeah, we talked about Halloween three, which he had a hand in. And then we talked about assault on precinct 13, but we haven't really, really talked about a Carpenter horror movie per se. So I feel like this is where we can kind of talk about it. Um, 
And I just have always had a love for this movie. I I love the character of Arnie Cunningham so much because he's such a um, tragic figure to me. And I felt like, I don't know, there was like this part of me that kind of empathized with him because he's just like this like nerdy dude that, you know, he just wanted to hang and he's like a sweet kid. And, you know, he just fucking, you know, he falls and he falls in love with an evil car, you know, and it, it possesses him. The car is possessed and it possesses him, essentially. You become a murderous maniac. Yeah, they, they influence one another. Yeah. So and just like to see. Aren't like because this is really it's yeah, it's a story about Christine. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like it's a story about Arnie. It's Arnie's story. It's a story about this teenager just declining or like rapidly, you know, transforming into a badass, a but a murderous badass, like a psychopathic badass. He goes like in the space of like a few semesters from being picked on and fucked with by all the bullies. And, you know, it's funny. It's because one of those weird kind of like buddy stories do where it's like he's the like the nerdiest dude in the school, but his best friend is the captain of the football team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's like this weird kind of pairing where, you know, Dennis had, you know, is his buddy and kind of protects him. But has and has no reason really to ever be caught dead with this dude, but he hangs with him anyways. And I guess that's why it's like I like like it's good storytelling to me because it's like there's complex characters here where you don't have just like the typical jock. He's like he's a nice dude, but he's also like the cool dude. And then you have Arnie, who's like not the cool dude at all um, to a lot of people, but in like the span of like a few months because of his fucking car, he like goes from being like the nerd to being like the ultimate badass and like scoring like the, the hottest babe in high school, you know, and then just like wiping out all of his enemies, Yeah, which like the revenge aspect of this movie is so satisfying. Like I love it so much. And <laughs> particularly like when the, when Christine takes out, moochie wells that that scene <laughs> yeah. is so fucking brutal the scene of the car squeezing into that little fucking like tight space just to crush this kid and then when our dude our other dude harry dean stanton who's also yes. in this, so yeah, shout yeah. out to that. Um, that yeah when he questions him about um <laughs> moochie wells death and he's like yeah, I heard that, you know, someone t defecated on the dashboard of your car. He's like, I would think that would make you pretty mad. And then he's like, you know, he's like, well, shit, you know, shit scrapes off. And then he says, well, Moochie Wells got scraped off. And he's like, isn't that what you're supposed to do with shit? It's like scrape it off with a little <laughs> shovel. It's just like, that's what I mean. It's just like, it's so like like satisfying to like see this dude like get his fucking revenge on these shitty fucking punk etchers that have just like made his life a living hell so i don't know like i just like it was one of those movies it's kind of like when we were talking about repulsion how there's been like a handful of movies that there was a period in my life that they were just comfort movies to me for whatever reason like this is one of those what yeah, one of those misanthropic, sadistic reasons that I had where I would just like put it in and fall asleep to. Christine's one of those movies. I know it like from back to front. 
Um, so that's why I wanted to put it in my best. I love the outside of the box uh, nature of that. And I obviously um, love Christine. Uh, and it, it's he, it, Stephen King, um, especially that era of his writing was influenced a lot by this idea of protagonists that are uh, pushed to the brink um, mm-hmm. and made to have to expel a lot of 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 their uh, antagonistic foes. I mean, this yeah. this premise, Christine is very similar to Carrie, um, right? And it's very similar to say like Firestarter where it's these mm-hmm. individuals and he, he continues this throughout, but individuals who have been blessed with this, some sort of supernatural ability or, um, or have been cursed in some aspects yeah. with, a, with a supernatural ability. Um, and he loves using that, that as the protagonist uh, that drives these stories. Cause they're tragic in a lot of ways. At the end of the day, you know that they're going to die. They're like, they're like going at a speed that is just not uh, sustainable. <laughs> um, yeah, because that. Yeah, because it starts off that they're they're vulnerable people. They're vulnerable characters. They're they're outcasts and misfits to like the ultimate degree. You know, like I said with Arnie, it starts off, and this is the same thing with Carrie, because we all knew people like this in high school and in middle school that they were the ultimate ultimate nerd had no friends you know what i mean just got picked on like they were like the lowest on the food chain you know what i mean and so and that's what he utilizes as his protagonist is these people that go from that point to just the complete opposite end of the spectrum but like you said they do it at such warp speed and with such disastrous results that ultimately they're they're self-immolated in the process, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one though. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed your, uh, I enjoyed your description of, of why you wanted to include it. Um, cause obviously, uh, I fucking love me some carpenter and I love me some King. Yeah. And I mean, it's got, you know, it's got a lot of other aspects. So it's got a cool soundtrack, you know, and, it's just, yeah, I, I just feel like it's it's got like a, a really cool vibe to it. And I'll just always cherish that movie. So there you go. A shout out to Christine. Beautiful. Boom. Beautiful. Tear it in my eye. Okay. So speaking of John Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Perfect, way, perfect segue. Yeah. Perfect segue. The way we're going to tie a bow onto this special Halloween series is the final episode we're going to do a rundown of the halloween franchise that's right the good the bad the best all all about the halloween franchise let's uh, establish some rules here and now for next time okay. we're not yeah. including uh, any rob zombie movie um Thankfully. so but but also i also don't want the bad to just be so obvious like i want the <laughs> bad to be contained within uh, the franchise that no, no extracurricular, uh, movies. Um, yeah. Now I'm not going to tell you what to do, but for my purposes, I am discluding 
season of the witch from this discussion because i it's it is not a halloween movie in the sense that it's not a michael myers movie to me yeah so it is a obviously we did an episode on it one of our earliest episodes it is mm-hmm. it is a fantastic standalone movie that should have been a standalone movie and it shouldn't have been used they shouldn't have used the halloween franchise to market it it it's, sucks that they did so for me i'm discluding well, for both of us, we're discluding Rob Zombie, and for me, I'm discluding Season of the Witch from the discussion. Yeah, no that uh, that is a fair that is a fair take, and I'm with you on that as well because yes, we've already kind of exhausted our discussion about it, so we don't need to, to really talk about it any further. I feel like this should just contain the Michael Myers mythos and strictly you know in its linearity a through line from john carpenter from the first one to the most current one now do we want to this is the discussion we need to have include the danny mcbride halloweens well there's only there's only one uh, because halloween kills got um halloween kills got postponed due to covid but i i would throw in halloween his reboot um i actually think it's integral to the discussion yeah, absolutely, because clearly there's those sequels that are in there that, you know, are done by different directors. And this one specifically, I feel like, needs to be discussed because John, this this was you know, given John Carpenter's blessing. You know, he had a hand in the soundtrack. So, and that's another thing with the Rob Zombie ones is, if anybody's read or seen any interviews with John Carpenter, he he doesn't he disavows those he he tried to be encouraging with rob zombie about it and apparently rob zombie was a fucking cock about it which doesn't surprise me so he's basically like fuck that dude so if john Car- if johnny c says fuck you then i say fuck you and i don't want to talk about your fucking movies other than i'm going to talk shit about them we've already done that so i'm totally cool with the danny mcbride ones danny mcbride to me like seems like he like you know in terms of his rapport with with John Carpenter, it was very good and still is very good too. Well, what's so, fun about yeah. it is he's a he's just a fan. He's like uh, it's it's as if one of us got to uh, reincarnate this this series. It's great. It, like he and he lovingly does it. Like he does it from yeah. the perspective of a, of a Halloween fanboy, and that that's what makes it so fun. Um, and not to say that Rob Zombie's well, yeah, I'm sure he's a Halloween fan fanboy too, but. Um, yeah. this is polar opposite ends of, uh, ends of that spectrum, but I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it and to untangle the fucking confusing nest that is that series. Because for instance, you know, Rob, uh, Danny McBride's takes, uh, picks off, uh, picks up after the second Halloween movie. Like it, it is confusing. Uh, but we yeah. will break it down as much as we can for the conclusion of our Flixtober series. Um, that'll come out next Friday, the Friday before Halloween. Yeah, it is actually right before Halloween. The day no before, kidding. literally. Yeah. Perfect timing. Oh, wow. Perfect timing in every way. I love it. Hey, I love it when a plan comes together. Fuck yeah. Okay. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for crafting our intro music for these special Flicksober episodes. Uh, 
If you are interested in getting a hold of us, we do have an email. You can hit us up at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. If you're a band that would like to submit some outro music for us for our regular episodes, please feel free to do that. We would love to promote what you're doing and give you a little bit of a shout on the episode. And until next week, uh, for Patrick Mitchell, I am Adam Walker, and we'll see you spookies next time. Catch up and count.